You know, we have two of the most hated star signs between us. Do we really? People hate Scorpios and people hate Geminis. I know people hate Scorpios for reasons passing understanding, because... Geminis are supposed to be, like, two-faced and, like, really mean people that, like, only care about themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Scorpios are supposed to be passionate, (laughs) which definitely fits. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because I feel like Scorpios are supposed to be loud and abrasive, but not in, like, a loud and abrasive way for the star signs. Like, we're always shown to be a little bit more passionate. And I feel like with a lot of the other star signs that are supposed to be loud, they come off more as abrasive. Hmm. I don't know. That's probably just me because I'm a Scorpio, though. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. it's probably a really... I don't know. I don't follow star signs, but it's probably a really big Scorpio thing to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a Scorpio. You know what I mean? (laughs) That sounds right. everybody and welcome back to our podcast how real is that science where we attempt to confirm or refute the legitimacy of science within pop culture i'm natalie and i'm nicole we're stem graduate students interested in science communication but we don't claim to be experts on all the topics we're going to discuss we have however done our research and that's the important part folks always do your research today's topic is astrology Which to Western cultures means zodiac signs and horoscopes, but astrology in some form is an important part of many cultures across the world. So technically, astrology is defined by Merriam-Webster as the divination of the supposed influences of the stars and planets on human affairs and terrestrial events by their positions and aspects. While today, in Western culture, astrology is considered a pseudoscience, and we'll talk about why, This isn't the case in all cultures across the world. We're going to talk about a handful of different astrological beliefs in modern cultures, but first, I'd like to acknowledge how intertwined the fields of astrology and astronomy are in history. Right, so astronomy is the scientific study of space, celestial objects, and really the physical universe as a whole. Many ancient civilizations were completely fascinated by the sky, which... Same. (laughs) And from this, we have astronomical studies dating back to the ancient Mayans around 3000 BC. And astrology uses these astronomical findings about planetary positions and celestial motions to interpret events on Earth or ascribe attributes to and behavioral effects of people. So let's briefly talk about what the real differences are between pseudoscientific fields and scientific fields. We have, of course, covered pseudoscientific topics before, but with astrology in particular, it's easy for me to see bits of science in it, right? Because, like, planets are real, Mm -hmm. they move, and are in different positions at different times of the year. It focuses on the natural world. These are all basic attributes of a scientific field. Of course. However... Science uses testable ideas and relies on concrete evidence to, quote unquote, prove them. Wow. That's why I put it in quotes. (laughs) Only when warranted by the evidence are ideas modified. And this also leads to 
ongoing research because in science, answering one question tends to always bring up another. So while astrology is based on a lot of real astronomical findings, in Western astrology, the interpretations made from these planetary positions aren't considered testable ideas. They can't test, say, that Geminis are liars. <laughs> it's just a lot of circumstantial evidence, I exactly, guess. Exactly, exactly. Relegating astrology to a pseudoscience. Yeah, so let's get into some of the major astrological beliefs active today. We're focusing today on three separate cultures, but many different cultures across the world hold their own astrological beliefs, which may have small or large deviations from the ones we're going to discuss. So firstly, Chinese astrology. Westerners may be familiar with Chinese astrology as the anglicized Chinese zodiac, which is a 12-year cycle where your birth year determines your sign. These quote-unquote signs are a cycle of 12 animals, rat, ox, tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, goat, monkey, rooster, dog, and pig. Yes. You're a rooster. I'm Am a dog. I? I have absolutely no idea, yeah. actually. I, I you're a rooster. Know. Okay. That sounds right. I mean, I don't know anything about the Chinese zodiac and, like, we're going to talk about... Well, like, what they mean. The, yes. The Western knowledge of ascribing a year to an animal is really doing a disservice to Chinese astrology. Oh, absolutely. Because, because they just tell you that you're this and then move on with your life and you're like, okay, I don't know what that means. Exactly. And beyond a cycle reflecting the birth year, Chinese astrology incorporates many elements from traditional Chinese astronomy and Chinese philosophy. So as an aside, Chinese astronomers have made many significant contributions to the field, including the first recorded sighting of Halley's Comet in the year 240 BC. Wow, that's so cool. I know. And the detailed records that they kept in like this ancient record book. Sure. They actually used those records to build the models that modern astronomers use to predict this comet's changing orbit with very high accuracy. That's really cool. I know. Altogether, Chinese astrology takes into account positions of the major planets, the sun, Earth's moon, and comets at the time one is born, as well as the zodiac sign for the year. All of this information together is used to determine that person's destiny, which sounds way cooler than just being like, oh, Scorpios are loud. <laughs> And it's this interpretation of all of these astronomical observations that loops into the philosophy. Right. So next, we'll talk about Vedic astrology, which is prevalent in India. While I was researching this, I saw that in Indian culture, astrology is not so quickly dismissed as a pseudoscience. I think this comes back to the heavy connection with astronomy, as well as the cultural importance of astrology in India. Absolutely. So Vedic astrologers are very closely monitoring the positioning of planets and other celestial bodies in the sky on a regular basis. And I'm going to read a quote from an NPR article that I thought was interesting regarding Vedic astrology. It's a super science, not an ordinary science, because it is extraterrestrial. It is extra physical. It is super physical, therefore super normal. Okay, so Vedic astrology uses the 12 zodiac signs Western culture is familiar with, but the dates ascribed to each sign differ. These zodiac signs are named for the constellations the sun is seen to pass through in a particular region of the sky called the zodiac at different times of the year. Astronomical knowledge of the skies at the time and location of a person's birth 
can be used to develop astrology charts or birth charts detailing information about themselves and their life. The attributes and motivations ascribed to people in Vedic astrology are historically developed from philosophical and religious beliefs within the culture. In contrast, modern Western astrology is not closely associated with astronomy, so I can see how it's way more easily called a pseudoscience. Mm -hmm. The 12 zodiac signs shared between Western and Vedic astrology date back to the Babylonians and Mesopotamia around 2000 BC. Super old. Yeah. So just to clarify, those are Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. Like we already talked about, ancient civilizations were fascinated with the night sky. Without all the light pollution of the modern world, I can only imagine how breathtaking it would have been. It would have been crazy. Yeah, I've, I've been out in the middle of Glacier National Park, which is in northern Montana, in the middle of the night specifically to see the stars and it blew my mind i cannot describe it a photograph cannot do it justice like Mm -hmm. i've seen the milky way with my own eyes i've seen just a sky full of stars and truly one of the best things i've ever seen in my life yeah the clarity with which they could probably have seen the night sky was a likely contributor to the astonishing accuracy of these early astronomical theories because mm-hmm. you hear about them and you're like how on earth are they right <laughs> like i go outside and i can see like two stars <laughs> right you know but yeah and i had never really thought about it from that angle oh no me either like how much clearer the skies would have been the babylonians used their observations of the sky to create one of the oldest identified calendars in the human record and it's just crazy to think about inventing a calendar because it's just one of those things mm-hmm. you It's always existed for us. Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's definitely something that's just so ingrained. I truly can't imagine it not existing. I don't know if this is how, like, kids will feel about the internet one day. Ugh, don't say things like that. I don't know. Like, my head went into a spiral when I was making these notes because it's just insane. And calendars, unsurprisingly, are actually incredibly complicated. Wow, that's a shock. (laughs) Most calendars are based on astronomy, so that just means a year is supposed to be the amount of time it takes the Earth to orbit the sun, a month is based on the revolution of the moon around the Earth, and the day is the revolution of the Earth around its axis. And weeks are just kind of an arbitrary thing humans invented to divide time, which don't even get me started. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. Why would you pick seven? Because now there's an uneven number. I actually have an answer for that. The modern calendar, the the internationally standard calendar, is based on a 400-year cycle. Obviously. And the total number of days in that is divisible by seven. Okay, well, that's just ridiculous. I hate that. (laughs) Yes. So the Babylonians noticed a series of 13 constellations that the sun moved to, which we now refer to as the Zodiac. They wanted to fit this into their calendar, which already had 12 months. So instead of making 13 months, they just dropped the 13th constellation, Ophiuchus, which is just depressing. It's frankly just rude. (laughs) But yeah, they assigned dates to each constellation That were supposed to be roughly a month, but they were supposed to represent how long the sun was in line with each constellation. And it's roughly these same dates that are used in modern Western astrology to assign zodiac sun signs. 
the personality traits, planetary rulerships, and elements ascribed to each sign were later developed by Greek philosophers, and the ancient Greeks also began the practice of divining horoscopes. So what about a few years ago when news articles started popping up that the Zodiac dates were reassigned? Yes, let's talk about that. Yes, let's. (laughs) Essentially, NASA made the observation public, I guess. I think that astronomers knew this. (laughs) <laughs> they just weren't telling anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, open source data, I guess. So NASA made the observation publicly on a website aimed at kids to be added uh, that the position of the sun in the Zodiac constellation differed from the dates commonly assigned by astrology. So Earth is positioned on a tilt. And if you drew a line through the Earth from the north to the south poles, it wouldn't sit straight up and down. Right. But in addition to sitting... On a tilt, it also had a bit of a wobble. So the line going through the Earth isn't always pointing in the same direction. This inadvertently changes the positioning of the sun within the zodiac constellations. Right. So NASA put out a list of the updated dates for the zodiac constellations and added a Fiacus back into the mix because NASA's going to take Pluto away, but they're like, Let's make sure we all know a Fiacus is a thing. Sure. Anyway, so they did this back in 2016. Uh, I don't think these changed dates have been widely accepted in Western astrology, but in case you're curious what your more scientifically accurate sun sign might be, Capricorns are now January 20th, February 16th. Aquarius is February 16th to March 11th. Pisces is March 11th to April 18th. Aries is April 18th to May 13th. Taurus is May 13th to June 21st. Gemini is June 21st to July 20th. Cancer is July 20th to August 10th. Leo is August 10th to September 16th. Virgo is September 16th to October 30th. Libra is October 30th to November 23rd. Scorpio is November 23rd to November 29th. Six days. Like, (laughs) six days is all you get for a Scorpio. Ophiuchus is November 29th to December 17th, and Sagittarius is December 17th to January 20th. Right. And like you said before, Western astrology hasn't really accepted this, so don't freak out if you just discovered your sign has changed. Like, clearly, I'm still doing. (laughs) So yours changed. Yeah. So I was a Scorpio, and under this new scientifically accurate star sign i'm now a libra because scorpio (laughs) is only seven days long well to be fair the constellations are all different sizes so in addition to the positioning of the earth for what's visible and when it also is taking into account that the size of the constellation changes how long the sun is aligned with them. Yeah, but that's just silly pants. Apparently, the constellation of Scorpius is small. That's just silly. <laughs> Interestingly, these dates, with the exception of the inclusion of Ophiuchus, match much better to the zodiac dates in the Vedic astrology. Likely because the Vedic astrology has remained more closely tied with astronomical observation and attempts to account for small changes in positioning that would have had an effect. 
So this actually brings us back to the complexity of calendars that I still can't wrap my head around. Sure. Okay, the complexity of calendars really comes because it doesn't always take exactly 30 days for the moon to orbit the Earth. Or 365 days for the Earth to orbit the sun. Right. So it's confirmed. You heard it here first. Time is a construct. Well, I definitely didn't hear it here first. (laughs) (laughs) But in all seriousness, this has made calendars exceptionally complicated. Sure. A lot of time was spent trying to improve upon calendars throughout history, and we still don't completely have it worked out. The main calendar that the Western world uses, that is also the international standard, is actually called the Gregorian calendar. It was adapted from the Roman Julian calendar when they realized that Easter was no longer occurring at the right time of the year. And how crazy is it that the calendar that we use is because Easter wasn't right? Yep. Yep. Wow. So in an attempt to fix this, Pope Pius V instituted the leap year system and subsequently Pope Gregory XIII decided that this wasn't enough and he deleted 10 days from the calendar in October of 1582. Sure, because why not? <laughs> You're moving it around for Easter. You might as well just take 10 days out in October That because that makes sense. <laughs> This caused the vernal or spring equinox to be closer to March 21st when Easter was supposed to occur. Imagine having to go to sleep on October 4th and you wake up the next day having to just live life saying it's October 15th. I wouldn't trust anything ever again. I don't even think I would follow it. I would be one of those people who's like, no, it's October 5th and just no. Just no. Plus, just think about... I know there's like an international dateline, right? And that already messes with my brain. But imagine... If for some reason you were able to travel from like Australia to Rome in what you called October 5th and everybody there is just like, it's October 16th now. It'd lose my mind. Well, so it's probably easier, right? Because the church had so much influence That's over true. Europe. Right. That's you know, true. They, they were in charge of everything, basically. <sighs> so I get mm. the, how it influenced Europe. And then, of course, Great Britain conquered everything because... They could, and because they had no self-control. Sure. So I can see how it, you know, went to other places. But yeah. It, it's just it's just insane that they were like, nope, but this is the calendar now, and you're just sitting. Yeah, no, it's, ser- it's, it's seriously, it's one of those things, there's a lot of things I can point to and be like, mm, yeah, colonialism did this, but I didn't necessarily think that the world calendar would be it. No, I, I didn't. I didn't even think about that either, but of course it did. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So in addition to that, I don't think I ever learned the rule for what determines a leap year. Well, apparently it's, quote, every year that is exactly divisible by four is a leap year, except for years that are exactly divisible by a hundred. These centurial years are leap years only if they are exactly divisible by 400, which is ridiculous and who came up with this yeah ultimately even with this adjustment the gregorian calendar accumulates an error of one day every 2500 years <laughs> which is like i know it's plus just, or minus one day i know <laughs> just start writing our dates like that today is the second of august plus or minus one day could also be the third could also be the first we don't know That's really funny. So there's been adjustments to the system proposed, but none have ever been instituted at this point. The best way to maintain synchronicity between a calendar and astrological phenomenon 
is for the calendar to be completely observational, basically meaning that it's not predetermined, or at least not very far in advance. So you so you just wake up one day and you're like, okay, well, it's going to be October because I say it is. No, 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 no. No, you'd have to be keeping track of the lunar cycles. If you, if you want to determine time by the movement of things in space. Okay, I see. And have it be accurate. You have to be keeping a log and be like, oh, cool, I'm back to a new moon. Now it's a new month. But you can't sit there and say, like, I know 30 days from now it'll be a new moon. Because that's not always true. Our and society would just collapse. We definitely could not do that. Because exactly. you can't plan anything in advance. No, this would have to be, like, this is going to be my off-grid cult thing. We're going to track and make our own calendar. See, that's just so exhausting for an off-grid <laughs> cult. Like, you already have to, like, make your own food. You got to, like... Have your own water. You got to get your own electricity. And now you got to follow the stars to figure out what day it is. You better hope your cult lives somewhere without light pollution. Well, exactly. Plus, like, why would you even care if you're in a cult? Like, why would you care what day it is? Unless it was one of those, you know, and that brings end us, of the world cults. That brings us back to time is a construct. Well, of course, time is a construct. <laughs> we just decided to delete 10 days in October. Yep. Mm-hmm. In in the 1500s, but I'm mad about it. <laughs> Still mad about it. <laughs> 500 years later. Yeah. So it also may or may not surprise some people that there isn't only, quote unquote, one calendar. We've talked about this already, but there's not just one calendar used across the world, despite what colonialism trying and Western people. Yes. Yeah, the Gregorian calendar was adapted as the international standard, but many cultures keep their own calendar that keeps track of cultural dates of significance or religious holidays. The Gregorian calendar accounts for most Christian holidays, right? That's why it builds in the rule that Easter is like some Sunday close to the equinox, but not before March 21st. Like there's all these rules. Well, Catholics definitely have their own calendar because we're in different seasons. Okay. We're in ordinary time right now. Which, yeah. So, the, I mean, there's there's an Islamic calendar, there's um, a Chinese calendar, and a lot of them have more focus on lunar cycles in order to track events like the equinoxy. The equinoxy. Definitely. <laughs> to track the equinox and position these events for the most accurate time of year, whether that be for their intended purpose or historical. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Please come talk to us on our social media about your thoughts on astrology, if you'll be associating with your NASA recommended zodiac sign or not, and what you thought of today's episode. All right. We're on Twitter at HowRealSciPod. Instagram at HowReal underscore SciPod. And our website, anchor.fm backslash HowRealIsThatScience. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most other podcasting platforms. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll be back in a couple weeks talking about the Manhattan Project. Spirit fingers. Spirit fingers. <laughs> Find out next time with How Real Is That Science?